Collateral Creatives was created and hosted by XN Radio. If you wish to get in touch with either me or Cheyenne, then feel free to leave us an email at ccmoody22 at gmail.com. We love getting feedback and requests for future episodes, so we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for your listenership and enjoy the episode. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Collateral Creatives, the show where we go into content that's not necessarily Christian, so we can hopefully find some aspect of God or characteristic of his gospel. I'm your host, Austin Murphy, and I'm once again joined by my lovely co-host, Cheyenne Wyatt. And today we are doing one of those special episodes that we talked about at the end of season two. Today we are joined by Reese Amstutz. Hello. The DM and host for D on Spotify. Uh, here with XN Radio, just like us. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Ray Samstutz. I'm a crazy dude who plays D&D on the internet for fun under the name <laughs> of a Christian organization, and somehow I get away with it. That's Excellent. <laughs> and that is why we have you on the show today. So, <laughs> today, obviously, the topic is Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, now, for anyone who has played Dungeons & Dragons, you're probably wondering, why are we making an episode about it? Because you might not be that concerned. If you are someone who thinks that Dungeons & Dragons is of the devil or completely evil, this episode is for you because we uh, may be scandalized right about now exactly because uh, reese here has has decided that he wants to come on and make a statement he wants to come on and and make his claims for dungeons and dragons make his defense and so we're going to open up the conversation for him today so reese why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into DD and a little bit more of why you decided to become specifically a dungeon master who runs the the whole game yeah so I got into D&D, actually, it was kind of funny. I got into D&D two days before quarantine, <laughs> two days before everything shut down. The one process where you need to be with people. D&D doesn't work if you're not with people. I figured it out and found it two days before I wasn't allowed to be with people anymore. That's perfect. And so <laughs> that was just like a disaster in my head. I was like... Are you kidding me? Um, but I found it through uh, a show called Critical Role, um, which is a very, very popular Fantastic Dungeons and Dragons yeah. uh, show on the internet. And I, I obsessively watched it for about seven months straight, finished every single existing episode, over a thousand hours of content <laughs> in about four months. In quarantine. I went yeah. in quarantine. Yeah, so I went... <laughs> Full in, and because I had no one to play with, the only thing I could resort to was creating world upon world upon world, which of course led me to being a dungeon master. Fantastic! And so that's that's how I sort of got into it. Is I just I started watching D and D on Critical Role, and I was just like, 
I don't even care how I get in. I need to get in. I need to figure out a way. <laughs> and so I ended up spending five months straight creating over 150 characters, over 150 NPCs for a completely imaginary world and just prepping for the day that I finally got to be a dungeon master. That's fantastic. And when when you finally did get your chance to be a, a true dungeon master with a show and everything, <laughs> when did you get that opportunity to start up this whole Kaizo adventure. Yeah, so moving into D&D under the banner of Moo D&D was just the strangest thing in the world. I (laughs) I have a friend, his name is Luke Castaldo, he's the head of XN Records, and he last fall came up to me and was like, hey, I know you play D&D, Ryan, the head of XN Radio, (laughs) was like talking about starting a D&D podcast. Do you want me to introduce you? I was like, Yes. Now, I don't care where he is. Find him and bring me to him now. And because they had nobody else who was just like, I don't care how I'm involved in the show. I'll be the DM. I'll be the player. It does not matter to me. I want to be involved. He was like, just let me in. Great. You have the job. You're the DM now. Just send an email to our people. We'll get players. And we started recording the actual show uh, like three weeks later. That's fantastic. I actually remember it was during uh, season one of Collateral Creative's production that we were starting to work on trying to get a D&D show. Uh, and, and I remember I actually got a couple questions every now and then that was like, what are your thoughts on this? Because, of course, we're the show that goes into non-Christian media. I'm like, what do you, what, what, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to say that I stand firmly against it or that I am always about it? It's <laughs> That's always the hardest hardest <laughs> line to walk is when someone says, like, so what do you think? Yeah, exactly. So what do you want me to answer? <laughs> <laughs> so with D&D, I, okay, so my involvement with D&D, the amount of experience that I've had is two unfinished campaigns, one of them that only went about two weeks. Uh, because of COVID. Uh, because of COVID. <laughs> um, and also one of them was just nobody showed up at some point. Uh, two one shots, one of them where I got absolutely destroyed by a banshee. Uh, and I think one extra one shot that was a Halloween special where we had, I think she was involved with it too, yeah. where we had to take down a combination of Cthulhu and a pumpkin. Oh my word. Called Thumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Pumpthulhu. So. That was there the was other name. Yes, yes absolutely. The yes, yes, this is the brain of a DM. It's like, okay, I got these two things. I'm not coming up with a new name. Just how do I smash them together the best? <laughs> and it was a fantastic time. And yeah. I, I don't have any drive to be a DM. I'm much more interested in being a character, but yeah. my roommate, I don't know if you know him, Garrett Arters. No. No. Okay, so he is a DM. He's been okay. doing DMing for a long time, yeah. um, and he is the only reason why I know anything about d and right. I'll come back into the room, and he's usually listening to the latest episode of C- Critical Role on YouTube. Of course. So, Always. like, he, he's got the subscriptions. He's got everything attached to yes. Critical Role. So he's very much like you. Um, but, unfortunately, my knowledge of Dungeons & Dragons in general is mostly tied into the history of oh my gosh how satanic (laughs) as as with most people yes so i'm curious what is the true history of dungeons and dragons and how did it become where we see it today yeah so it's really it's a really interesting thing to go back and actually study the history um because so it 
everybody's like, oh, it was an underground satanic cult yeah. that, <laughs> that took form as people uh, started playing Dungeons and Dragons. And every single, I've I've looked back through so many different historical perspectives on D and D. Not only the uh, origins and where they came from, but the varying different theories as to how it came about and how it operated. Yeah. And uh, here's the truth of the matter: is it started in a basement with three <laughs> or four guys who loved tabletop role playing games, which were really like a, they were just a super niche category of game at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons launched the tel- tabletop role playing game, but it didn't even start as a game called Dungeons and Dragons. It just started as like a bunch of guys who were in their basement. <laughs> they were like, you know what I really want is I want a high fantasy magic system, a uh, tabletop role playing game where all your stats are based off of it wasn't even based off of like a character sheet at the time. It was based on whatever little plastic figure you brought to the table. Oh, wow. And so it was like, okay, well, that guy's wearing half plate. And so we'll figure out how the stats work from there. <laughs> like it was not like you didn't build your character. It was just whatever minifigure you have to bring to the table. That's awesome. And so from there, they developed a rule set and they founded a company called TSR, which owned uh which owned uh, Dungeons and Dragons for quite some time. They released the first Dungeons and Dragons edition and then advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I think it was in 1976 or something like that that they released advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but the game continued to uh, spread and it uh, spread like wildfire starting in the 1980s um, because that's when uh, the church entered a time that uh, we so lovingly refer to as the satanic panic fantastic where absolutely everything was Satan I've listened to I've listened to various different comedians who will talk about the satanic panic and one of yeah. the things they say is like uh, one guy said Christians see Satan in everything more than Catholics see Mary in everything oh wow <laughs> <laughs> and so there and so in the 1980s absolutely everything was satanic everybody was worried mm-hmm. that their records if you played them backwards spoke a certain like secret message that glorified I Satan. was taught that right. yeah, I, I couldn't listen to Skrillex because he right. had backwards words right and so that was like the big fear was if you play everything backwards that there's a message to Satan and uh, again comedians I love comedians one guy said of course you're finding messages to Satan you're listening to it backwards you're doing it wrong <laughs> and so uh in that, Dungeons and Dragons became one of the center focuses because they're like, ah, scary thing where you play Imagine and there are demons. Yeah. And that was the big fear is there were, uh, there were demons in it. And uh, because of that, there was various different theories thrown about. One theory was that uh, the Dungeon Master was actually a person uh, who none of the players who chose to engage in the game could ever uh, object to everything he said they had to do. And he became like sort of like this cultish overlord of a small group of people there was a theory that uh every single time a dm put a minifigure of any kind of demon on the table they actually summoned that demon in real life just by putting it there and imagining it man they gave you a lot of power oh yeah there was (laughs) they like it's things that i look at and i'm like how did we even get to the point where that was the belief that the second that entered the like in there's like it was there was mm-hmm. no like right or incantation it was just the second it's on the table the demon is real and it's in the it's kind of interesting um i'm currently in the- theological issues in missiology and we're going over um like spiritual warfare and that type of thing and the 70s and 80s is when a lot of demonic yeah. stuff like you're, what you're talking about um really like our theology started to be developed around yeah. um just how all of that worked and so i think just the fact that 
a lot of it was so rudimentary at the time is probably why they were like trying to figure out like territorial spirits and yep. stuff like that yeah because there was just there was no strong theology and so there were you know various different like every single pastor was like don't let your kids touch this, this is the same reason that uh pokemon was a big issue at the mm -hmm. time that was an uh, issue that oh yeah pokemon yeah. <laughs> there were to be an issue there were christian like many preachers who were like don't let your children play Pokemon my parents I started playing Pokemon before I started playing D&D &D, yeah. and I had to convince my parents that Pokemon were not named after demons <laughs> like that's was, it's <laughs> just it's there was it was just such a time of extreme fear that every single thing that was produced by media that was not Christian was inherently demonic and so that pervaded every single mentality regarding Dungeons and Dragons up until uh, starting in the uh, mid to late 2000s when things started to sort of loosen up when people were starting to get away from the fear that everything was demonic yeah. and Christians had sort of just shied away at that point we'd sort of backed away and the satanic panic started to die down as we started to delve more into understanding the theology of how demonology works and all mm -hmm. that yeah and so as that started to develop the fear started to minimize but since then Christians have still sort of carried in the back of their mind that fear and so as the as uh, the generations who grew up in the satanic panic started to get older and older their kids started were less and less afraid because we had an effective theology and they weren't raised in a church that every single Sunday was like don't engage with any media of any kind at all otherwise you will be possessed by a demon <laughs> like that was that was legitimately a lot of the narrative that was pushed oh, and so as we got further into time and as people got to be a little bit more distant from that fear mentality that drove things it became less and less of a concern and so over time eventually we get to the space that we are now where we have people at moody who are yeah. playing Dungeons and Dragons on the air on XN Radio, and it's not a problem. Yeah, but it took a really long road to get there. Exactly. Yeah. No. I mean, I, if I'm going to think about a significant time where we had Dungeons and Dragons as just the pinnacle of evil, uh, do you know Chick Tracks? No. Okay. So there was a man named Jack T. Chick. Okay. Jack T. Chick. Is, was a madman um, in a lot of ways. <laughs> what an introduction. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm just going to say it that way because this man, so Jack T. Chick, basically he would write, you know, like gospel tracks, right? Mm -hmm. But they weren't just that. They were also condemning a lot of things and there were a lot of stuff that, like there's this itemized list that someone made. I've seen those. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that he made, one of the tracks, was this little comic basically about the dangers of Dungeons and Dragons, yes. which got a movie adaptation. I'm sure it did. <laughs> called Darkest Dungeons. Oh my word. You haven't seen it? No, I have you not. You gotta. I'm gonna watch this. It is now. one of the wildest adventures you've ever seen in your entire life. First of all, I think it's about like 10 bucks on their website. Um, and it is by far one of the most incredible experiences I've ever seen because it's pretty much exactly what Jack T. Chick thought Dungeons & Dragons did. Like, at one point, one of the players that's super into D&D &D straight up, like, gets possessed by Tiamat. <laughs> <laughs> And it's you're kidding. No, he gets possessed by Tiamat and starts trying to kill the other players. Oh my word! It's ridiculous. Um, one of the one of the players uh, ends up getting killed in the game, like their character dies, and so she goes back to her room and hangs herself. Yeah, I mean that was a, that was a big fear. It was always because they. The big fear was always the influences that the imaginary has on the reality. Yeah. And like that was a big, that was a super big thing was there was a, I forget what the name was, but there was a guy 
who was brought in on a uh, suicide investigation. Okay. Um, and he... The suicide happened to be a guy who was playing Dungeons and Dragons. And so, of course, the entire Christian community went up in arms. They were like, Dungeons and Dragons leads to suicide. And this guy, insane as he was, published a book about his searching for this kid because he was missing for a while. And then he was uh, then he was uh, determined to have committed suicide. Yeah. And essentially what happened is that he wrote the book and described it in grandeur that was completely so far from reality (laughs) that anybody who read the book was like this man's just crazy um and he described how he hunted this guy down and how he how the guy was a ringleader for a group of criminals and like oh my gosh but it was and so it was a very common fear that the second you started playing dungeons and dragons uh not only did it lead you to things like suicide but it was also a fear that everything within the game became your reality several pastors were you know said things along the lines of time and time again psychologists have proven that the more time you spend in imaginary worlds the more time you spend in imagination the worse it is for your mental health which is something that uh has not actually been proven it was a statement that was made but was not incorrect in fact so many studies have been done to show that like the primary way that children learn about the world around them is through imagination Mm -hmm. if that were true every single child would go insane by the time they were five (laughs) (laughs) that's just a reality yeah but even children have a basic enough understanding of the difference between reality and imaginary. Yeah. That they're able to keep their grips on sanity. And so if a bunch of adults are going to lose their sanity <laughs> based on spending four hours a week in imagination, I think we've got something a little messed up with the narrative we're pushing. Yeah. And so that was, that's where that, that was a real fear at the time mm-hmm. was just, yeah, no, this game becomes their entire reality. And they go and they die and they choose to mm-hmm. die and they commit suicide based on what happens in the game and so that yeah. was yeah just yeah. a huge fear at the time I get it yeah and so with this whole idea of imagination and storytelling I'm curious uh, while we're still in this in this little category that we're in I want to know what is your plot synopsis of Boo D&D what is the appeal that you think that students and listeners have to the show yeah, so Moody and D, firstly, one of the major pulls, one of the major, like, this is not even just a plot synopsis. <laughs> it's, as far as I'm aware, the only the only clean Dungeons & Dragons show on the internet. Completely. I have not heard a single, like, I've been through various different shows. I've not heard one that is even remotely as clean as Moody and D, much less um, clean. Okay. You know, and so that's like a big thing that's just a natural pull is if you're interested in getting into Dungeons and Dragons or you want to listen to someone play Dungeons and Dragons, but you don't want to have to deal with all the junk that is put into all the other shows, Moody and D is a place where you can find that. Fantastic. Um, but as far as like a plot synopsis, Moody and D follows a singular narrative right now, but over time it's going to start following different narratives as hopefully I hand the show off to new DMs and new players. Yeah. The hope is that the show doesn't die as soon as I graduate. The hope is that the show keeps going sure. for years and years and years to come. And so really what what Moody and D is, is it's we got a prof in the cast and we've got a bunch of Moody students who really spent, we are spending time uh, doing improv theater, finding ways to display much of what we learn here at Moody through character progressions and through character arcs and through story arcs um, that will reflect not only good theology, but healthy um, life decisions. Like we've got some characters on the show who are 
just naturally very unhealthy people. Yeah. But what we get to see through the show is their progression towards health and how they find that. Mm -hmm. And so what it can be is, you know, I know a lot of people who, if I tried to explain to them how to get, how to work through certain things, uh, the process would not be effective if I just explained it to them, but seeing that mm -hmm. would be very valuable to them. And it also adds a new layer of depth sure. when you see someone else go through it. Mm -hmm. That's like a big thing with D&D is, um, a lot of people learn things about themselves that they would have never otherwise learned when they play in a long-term D&D campaign because what happens is they depersonalize their emotions. Mm. They put it on someone else. They put it on their character. Yeah. And every character, based, uh, this is something that's generically true across the board and sometimes is not, but for the most part, every character that someone creates in D&D is either a fraction, projection, or exaggeration of themselves. Okay. So it's either a part of their personality that they've isolated that they want to focus in on and try to understand or something they've done accidentally with your first character is most often an accident. <laughs> um, a projection, basically a carbon copy of yourself maybe has a different race than you or a different skin or something or other, but it's just your personality put into another being or it's an exaggeration it's some part of you that you hyper intensified uh, or some version of you that's just like this is what I would do if I had absolutely no inhibition yeah and so a lot of people will learn new things about themselves through that and actually discover things about their character discover things about who they are through the depersonalization mm -hmm. and so that's what moody and D can do for a lot of people is they might see characters on the show and be like oh I didn't realize I had that tendency and then see the progression arc and then it also does something that I absolutely love and it shows um, this is something that I see just across the board in narrative in general yeah. is what I like to call the uh, the classic story for all of time uh, it's the kill the dragon get the girl story <laughs> uh, which I've heard explained and I, I absolutely love the the reality that kill the dragon get the girl is such a moving story to humanity and nature because it's the story of the Bible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's kill the dragon get the girl that's that's the end goal it's god coming after us mm -hmm. killing the dragon and bringing us home to be with him yeah and so in every narrative where we have that kill the dragon get the girl the eliminate the injustice and bring justice and bring good those are the most moving to us because we get to see that retold and we get to see elements and that's why it even moves those who have no idea who god is yeah. because it's something about us something that's written within us that we know who God is, what he's done at a basic level. And I mean, that's even seen in the Bible where he talks about, you know, even uh, the people who have not heard my name have no excuse because I showed them through nature. You know, they've seen me. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I absolutely love about Moody and D is that we get to do that. We yeah. get to show that in a way that is um, unique and has its own flavor um, that you wouldn't find out in the world. Yeah. And are these the kind of things that you often discuss while you're talking with those students about Moody and D on campus? Is yeah. that, that yeah. yeah, like that's, that's my big thing is I always, I always want to, you know, it's even though we're out of the historical fear mentality, I still always find a need. I always feel the need to defend what I do sure, because it's something that's still very controversial. And so I'm always trying to like, uh, I mean, even in my, in my speech comm course just this week, I gave a speech, uh, encouraging people to play D and D on the grounds of it can teach you things about yourself. You know, I'm always trying to show people dungeons and dragons is actually a very powerful tool to help you understand yourself and understand God better. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of having the right people around you to help you use it correctly. Yeah. So you're saying it's not only just something that you can, you can see aspects of God. This is something that you can experience. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's primarily what dungeons and dragons started as dungeons and dragons is 
it was never meant to be a show. That was never the original design. Yeah. The original design of Dungeons and Dragons was a bunch of dudes sitting around in a basement who wanted to play a game together. <laughs> it was meant to be a community oriented thing. Yeah. It was meant to be geared around being with each other, being with other people, learning about them, beginning to understand them and tell a story together. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's, it's primarily an experience. Mm -hmm. And that's part of Moody, like part of Moody and D is just us inviting other people into the experience. Yeah. And it's been a fantastic ride so far from what I've heard. I unfortunately have not had the time to go and listen to the whole show myself, but yeah. uh, currently me and my roommate Garrett, uh, we're both planning on like a listening party. Yeah. Uh, it just to sit down with some snacks and, and mm -hmm. just be like, we have to burn through this whole thing. You understand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, now uh, kind of focusing in hard on that, that Christian aspect that you were talking about, what sort of things do you think people sort of confuse with D&D's relationship with Christian culture, uh, and especially in the realm of, let's say, uh, this fantasy RPG sort of stuff, like or maybe just fantasy worlds in general. Yeah, so like a big thing, um, big thing that often happens is people assume that fantasy worlds are inherently, uh, they're always a pathway to some form of degeneration. Yeah. That's the big misconception is that if you ever enter a fantasy world at any point in time at all, that is a direct path to some form of degeneration, whether it's spiritual, mental, or emotional, or physical. Okay. It's, that's always the misconception. And in reality, uh, while that can be an element, I'm not saying that can't be an element, mm -hmm. often if it's used improperly, it can become degenerative, and that's why um, you have to be careful with it. If you take all of the usage elements out, all you have are dice, some paper, and a pencil. Yeah. That's all you have in its very roots, and it's application that actually makes uh, or breaks anything, and that's every single fantasy world. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at any author who's writing fantasy, you can write dark, gruesome horror fantasy that will probably be beneficial to absolutely nobody. <laughs> or you can do what Tolkien did and write an absolutely beautiful odyssey mm -hmm. with extreme detailing that points to God. Yeah. Yeah. So what boundaries do you set then to help make sure you're going in the right direction? Yeah, um, that's always a tough thing. The boundaries uh, are very difficult when it comes to something like this because it really is person to person. Um, I have friends uh, and I know people who used to be part of the occult. Oh, wow. And for people like that, Dungeons and Dragons can be a very difficult thing mm -hmm. because uh, seeing spellcasters, seeing people who have inherently magical abilities can sometimes draw back to old memories. Yeah. And um, my big thing is it's always a person-to-person -person basis. The big thing that becomes a problem in Dungeons and Dragons is when the people playing lose the ability to distinguish between reality and fantasy mm. because that does happen sometimes. Like there are people who have gotten into Dungeons and Dragons and via Dungeons and Dragons gotten to the occult. Mm. because of the fact that they lack the ability to distinguish between their reality and their fantasy, and they began looking for fantasy in reality. Mm. Okay. And that's the one big space that I always, that's my boundary, is where does it become problematic? And that's on a person-to-person -person basis, and that's on, like, even if you're looking at playing Dungeons & Dragons with a group of people, that's on a table-to-table -table basis. Yeah. You know, some tables, uh, there's a there's a homebrew class uh, that was created by a guy named Matthew Mercer, who's the DM for Critical Role, and it's called the Blood Hunter. And the Blood Hunter is a class that uses uh, their blood to fuel their magic abilities. Mm-hmm. Now, if this is all kept in fantasy, that's perfectly fine. But for some tables, that's actually going to be a stumbling block for certain people. Yeah. And so it's not just being sensitive to where your boundaries are, but where other people's boundaries are. 
Exactly. Yeah. And looking at that and saying, okay, how can I prov- how can I help my brother not stumble in and still invite him into this where everybody finds a unanimous space where we can all encounter God equally through this and it's not a problem for any of us and it's not going to tempt us to go in the wrong direction. Yeah. So mm-hmm. with that then, I think the most important question here is how hard is it being a DM? It's really difficult. Like there, are, <laughs> like even one of the things that coming into Moody and D, one of the things I told myself that I would not do mm-hmm. um, is I told myself that I would not make any of the enemies humanoid. Oh, okay. And the reason for that was it helps listeners depersonalize. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot easier to see someone uh, or to hear someone in a D and D podcast go out and kill a dragon or kill a dinosaur. Yeah. That's a lot easier to take than someone going out and killing another humanoid. Yeah. And so it's that depersonalization. And so that's actually something I've even been writing into Moody and D is we have a humanoid enemy now. Oh, wow. And looking at the morality of like there are even characters, uh, NPCs who come into the players lives. And a lot of our players have a very difficult history with the NPC enemy. Yeah. And a lot of them are bent on revenge. And one of the things that the NPCs continue pushing is the Christ-like mentality of forgiveness. Oh, wow. And looking at that and saying, you know, like recognizing the difficulty of having to forgive, but then still reminding the players the concept of forgiveness. Yeah. Which is a very bizarre thing to do in a fantasy world. Because I've even had players ask me, like the players in the game will ask me, how do you find the motivation to do this? <laughs> Which is very weird in a con- in a world where the concept of God is a little bit wishy-washy. Yeah. And so finding ways to explain that, but still always pushing that, pushing those Christian values and finding a way to well include a, um, a humanoid enemy that will, um, that won't cause the players to, uh, you know, sort of cross that boundary of comfortability and so that you know as a dm uh specifically for moody and d it's very different yeah because i have to keep in mind not just what my players are comfortable with but also probably what the people who are listening are comfortable with yeah and so you know finding that line as a dm is very difficult um but i'm a dm for a couple different campaigns and so it's different in every campaign um like right now i am plotting or I shouldn't say plotting. I'm planning. Uh, plotting <laughs> makes it sound like I'm just prepping to kill the players anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm planning a one-shot for my floor, like a one-two-shot um, where the floor sits down and we play. And so I'm you know, considering, okay, what are the boundaries? What are the uh, various different lines that certain players won't cross? And a lot of that is just open communication at your table. Yeah. You know, looking at your players saying, okay, here's what I've got planned. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And when they say no, you know, adjusting so that you're not causing anybody to stumble so that you are best equipping everybody involved to still see God within it. It's usage that gives it, it gives its, its morality. Yeah. There's no morality in a hammer, but when a hammer is used to make a, when the hammer is used to make the tabernacle or make the ark, it inherently is serving a godly purpose. Yeah. And it's ensuring that your, all your immoral tools are serving a godly purpose that makes the difference between a good and a bad Dungeons and Dragons session. Sweet. Okay. So with, with the, the idea that you are right now getting your floor to interact with this, uh, this storytelling medium, I would just call it a storytelling medium, to be honest. Yeah. That's essentially Uh, (laughs) what it is. That's all it is. Cause it was meant for communication, uh, group storytelling. Yeah. Which we're just gonna, we're just gonna skim right past the whole idea that Christianity is based around community (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) we'll just drop it in there. (laughs) So, uh, 
how many people, if you've seen anyone at all, how many people have you seen change their minds or thoughts towards D&D through your show? Uh, through my show, I don't know because people no. don't reach out to us. That's the one unfortunate thing is Moody and D is still a, like it's it's one of the bigger shows on XN Radio, but it's still a small show for being a show in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I haven't heard from people changing their minds, but I have heard like amazing stories about like even people I've interacted with. I've had conversations with people and they've changed their minds about D and D even on my floor. Yeah, um, but the, even then, uh, one of one of the members of Moody and D's cast uh, actually started. Uh, like one of their family members who they were sort of like estranged to didn't talk to all the time. Yeah. I uh, found out that they were part of a and d show and that actually built back a family bridge that was broken. Oh, wow. Just by expanding the horizons of what are they doing? And Moody and D has already been involved in that sort of capacity. And that's just one story of all it took was someone being willing to cross the line into playing Dungeons and Dragons to start growth. That's all it took wow. was someone starting to play, and it instantaneously caused growth. That's insane. It's so bizarre <laughs> to look at, considering how fearful people have been of Dungeons and Dragons in the past. Yeah. But like any good tool, the second you start to use it right, it causes growth. Yeah. And um, it's actually it's actually kind of funny. Two things. One, uh, you took our number one spot on XN Radio. I, I'm so sorry. I can't forgive you for that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> look, look. When there is, I, this is something I knew would happen when we started the D and D podcast. Is there's there's a massive D and D underbelly here. There's in Moody. a huge. There's one. so many mm-hmm. people and. Only about 12% of those people listen to Moody. And yeah, I actually remember, I, I remember back in the day. Okay, so hold on. What year are you again? I am a junior. You're a junior. Okay, so you remember Sweeting 4 to some degree, maybe a little bit. To an extent. To an extent. So uh, when I was around, uh, I'm a senior currently about to graduate. Yay. Um, Hello. Uh, so Sweeting 4, uh, the fourth floor of our primary educational building. Yes. Uh at the top, that's that's four. They have a TV studio. They've got a massive hall that's like really cool. It's got a fancy mural on the wall that was painted by one of our very talented artists. And between the, I think it's like the the, the main hall and the guys' bathroom. There's a conference room. Yes. That conference room has hosted so many D and D campaigns. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> it's yeah. Hosted so many. Oh, There's yeah. so many that happen in the Colby meeting rooms yeah. as well. And actually, up here on Kroll Eight, Kamerzelt, uh, our our um, what do you call him? Director of communications. I think, yeah, he's the head of the communications department. Or yeah, something we, we like can that. say that, and, and we'll say head of communications department. Uh, he actually had to clarify to everyone that he won't stop you from playing. Yeah. You just can't do it when other people. Are trying to be creative right yeah like if you're using a creative space but yeah so long as yeah and so it's it's very quickly becoming just a non-issue it's yeah. it's becoming very much so it's becoming as common as just video games yes it is yeah very much so yeah because i mean first of all every student on this campus basically has a console of some sort yeah pretty much yeah, across <laughs> the board like i i i myself have three xboxes in my room <laughs> Uh, There's only two of you in there. I have my Xbox Series X, my Xbox One X, and my Xbox 360. Hold on, you mean you individually have three I, I individually have three Xboxes. Yeah. I am all about it, and, and I just, I love that stuff. I probably have 300 games installed on just one of those consoles. Yeah. I... Mm-hmm. I I don't play games because I think that they're they're a time waster or I'm trying to 
you know, a disconnect from the world around me. Yeah. I just love storytelling. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so when someone approached me and talked to me about this D and D thing, uh, it was whenever I was actually uh, probably much younger. There, there were these two kids that I was friends with when I was growing up. Uh, these two kids named Josh and David, and. I remember this was my first interaction ever with anything tabletop. Uh, they were the weird kids, first of all. Of course they were. So, yes. Yeah. All of us are. So I, I no, not to say I was a cool kid. I was not uh, by any means. So this is why I hung out with I them. understand the middle road. Exactly. Like, right. I'm not the weird kid, but I'm not the cool kid, I guess. Exactly. I'm the in-between just ignore. I'm a kid. kid. Yeah, I'm a kid. I, I resonate with Caillou sometimes, but not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so uh, I go to their house, and first of all, their dad. Their dad is was the reason why they got so into tabletop stuff because mm-hmm. he currently runs this whole uh, this like tiny small company called Gamer Goggles. Huh. They and what he does is he reviews tabletop games because huh. there's tons. Yes, apparently yes, there are, there are so that. many. Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> is only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and it's 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 just it gets so big. It's so wild. Oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah. They uh, so they, he, this guy is so dedicated to it. He has like two of these workbenches that were converted into uh, just a tabletop that yeah. you could use for gameplay. Uh, he has rulers that are specifically designed for this stuff. Oh yeah. He he paints miniatures. He has this whole station. Oh, painted miniatures. Yeah. So beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, I just I love like some. There are some really good hand painted minis out there. They're they're beautiful uh, and he does a fantastic job he knows a lot of people who worked on these kind of tabletop games he's sometimes invited to cons to go and, and interview people yeah. and he has a fantastic time now his kids were talking to me whenever I was a kid because I wasn't going to talk to their dad who talked to the their friends dads when they were like 11 right <laughs> that was me as a kid <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I was invited over to see what this whole tabletop thing was about which just to keep in mind it's floor to ceiling boxes yes. of tabletop games yeah but it goes down like 10 feet of wall yeah you started with obsession <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was the first experience you were like someone who was full in exactly and the first thing that I got to experience was Battlestar Galactica oh and I mean first of all I got destroyed. Uh, I was I was wiped off the map. It was so fast. They swooped down. I mean, they created a treaty right in front of my eyes, and then they m- made a declaration that I wasn't uh, justified to be existent anymore, I guess, <laughs> and so they decided to wipe me out. That's Hi, quite... do you want to be our friend and then annihilate it? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. And so it was so brutal, but I found it so entertaining because yeah. it wasn't just what I was seeing on the table. I was experiencing a storyline that, first of all, I had to keep up with because yep. I'm experiencing it. I have to remember it. Yes. Uh, but also, I have a direct influence yes. over that story. Yep. Which, I mean, that partially mm. is why I got so into writing. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I was like, okay, I'm creating my own story. How can I do this? But there literally has been a method of doing that for hundreds of years. Why have I not thought of this? So I'm just You're like, writing. oh, right. Pencils are a thing. <laughs> and so I just started writing and I started creating my own stories. And I'm never in any way, shape, or form ever going to be a DM. Uh, that just that sounds like too much of a commitment to me. It's so much work. It, it sounds like it. I mean, I'm watching my roommate every night. He's creating like he uses special software now 
now to create yeah. 3D maps of the dungeons and. Oh really? Maps. Does he have the? Uh, is it the Dungeon Alchemist program? I, I mean, think so. Yeah. Uh, That's like yeah. it's like oh man, I saw the Kickstarter. I wanted I wanted to get in on the beta so bad, but I couldn't <laughs> afford it. He even he actually also has a software that he can create his own maps, like legitimate. They look like paper maps. Yes. Yeah. And he that's because he's running a. Uh, a campaign that used to be here on campus, like it used to be hosted, I think, in the conference room that I was yeah. talking about. Now it's hosted entirely through Discord. Yeah, and that's a very common thing. Yeah. So it's it's fantastic. They're using things like Roll Twenty. Yes, Roll Roll Twenty is a yeah. really effective tool. But that's the thing. D and D has gone from this is so utterly unbelievable how can we ever interact with this to let's create proprietary software that has yes. the ability to roll dice oh my word <laughs> there's so much like the amount of softwares there are for dungeons and dragons map building is insane yeah like every once in a while i'll have to but i'll have to, i'll have to like actually build a map for moody and d and i'll literally just scroll through software after software to find the <laughs> one that i want it to do uh, there's there are so many different softwares out there mm -hmm. and there are you know tons of dice rollers i've got like four apps on my phone that can do it i mean there's just yeah. so many different things yeah and and before the the show started by the way kind of going back to the whole yeah um where D, &D sort of started to grow first of all the animosity that a lot of people had for it yeah but and now where people are appreciating it you were talking to me beforehand about how there's a lot of things with DD that if you're going to hate DD, you would have to hate lewis you would have to yeah hate tolkien because you know lord of the rings christian work yep. uh narnia heavily christian work yes and both of those things you could experience both stories yeah at a table yes you could you really could <laughs> yeah so when when we're seeing D, D starting to finally kind of get out of this whole thing uh that's prime that's primarily why i wanted to talk about it when you when you offered th this idea of coming on and talking about D, &D which was an episode that we at least i had considered i had vocalized to my co-host over here yeah. <laughs> uh it was an idea that i had um it was something that I was really excited about because a lot of people have, for a lot of the shows that we've done, for a lot of the episodes that we've done, we've talked about a lot of things that originally weren't considered something that Christians could interact with, yeah. but now are. Uh, I think it, our first episode was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and a lot of people for a while thought superheroes were like idol worship and god yeah. worship. Yeah. Um, and so seeing a shift the thing that's where i kind of want to reach our conclusion for this is do you think that there's significance in this potential that not only can god redeem a person but he could redeem a a game an object even a holiday i think that a lot of people a lot of people focus these days on how christmas was a pagan holiday <laughs> halloween was a pagan holiday yeah. easter had a pagan holiday it's like if you don't think that god can redeem a holiday then you don't know who god is <laughs> yeah yeah if god can redeem a soul he can redeem anything yes mm -hmm. so with dnd where do you think, if we're going to see next steps for Christian interaction for D&D, or just tabletop games in general where we get to experience certain stories, what do you think you would want to see coming out of Christian culture? If it's just embracing it, what, what do you think you want to be seeing? Yeah, so steps forward for Christian culture. I mean, the first thing is education. That's the big thing is, um, and this is, like I said, I gave a speech on this. Yeah. Um, half the reason I gave the speech and this was like my one of my key points is it's so close in our Christian history that we need to be educated on it yeah. mm -hmm. this, this happened 40 like it started 40 years ago that's it 
40 years ago in in the entire church history that's a very very recent change yes and that's so close to us and like you said that's that's when our theology around uh demonology began to take form yeah. i believe big step is making sure people are educated because there's still a very very large number of people who believe that dungeons and dragons is satanic yeah. in its nature and or it had satanic origins and or that it's still promoting satanism which would be a really interesting thing to be real because it's currently produced by hasbro oh gosh <laughs> hasbro owns the rights to D under and wizards of the coast owns it underneath hasbro but hasbro's like so if they own they're like the parent company that technically owns D. so you're telling me that my little pony is next yes, yes my little <laughs> pony is the next thing that's gonna be yeah but so the big thing is i believe getting proper education out there and really all it takes is something simple like this conversation yeah would probably be enough to effectively educate someone but across the board I think the big step would be seeing proper education but uh, then also seeing because as with everything creative where it starts is never where it ends yeah Moody and D might be near the starting ground for Christian Dungeons and Dragons obviously it's not the starting ground but it's it's relatively near the starting ground as far as like like produced Christian Dungeons and Dragons yeah. it's near that starting ground but that's just where we're starting. My father has the saying that I absolutely love. He wants, uh, he says that our our roof should always be our children's floor. Okay. So wherever we finish, we need to help our children get there and then they build off of that. Yeah. So that we continue as Christians to become more and more um, aware and more Christ-like just going forward and forward and forward uh, as time goes on. And part of that is us as the generation that is starting to see Christians and Dungeons and Dragons uh, become a thing mm -hmm. uh, setting an effective floor but then helping or setting an effective roof to be the floor for everyone who comes before or comes after us yeah and helping guide that as theology around stuff like that becomes even more involved like this is we've just barely scratched the surface of what a theology of Dungeons and Dragons would look like yeah mm -hmm. but it could be an incredibly prominent thing and it really would be more like a um, it'd be more of a theology of storytelling yeah exactly um, and there are just there's so many different directions it could go I'd love to see more Christians playing it and more I'd love to see DMs intentionally writing God narratives into their stories that like that's fantastic. one of the things when I started my Dungeons and Dragons campaign I and start like building the campaign setting mm -hmm. the first thing I did was create a deity system for how God was involved in that oh wow so there is uh, and I mean this is kind of spoilers for everybody who plays my games but at this point <laughs> I'm, I'm actually gonna say it um, my deity system has there are nine gods only one of them is real oh wow all the others are a fake god, aka the Satan person, masquerading as other gods. That's fantastic. Because I was like, I want to, I don't want to have to, you know, just bald face say this is God. Yeah. And I also don't want to diminish his power, mm -hmm. and I don't want to mock the reality of God and the. Uh, I hesitate to call it a battle against Satan because it's hardly a fight for God. <laughs> But that whole narrative, I don't want to mock it. I don't want to make a, um, I don't want to, but I also don't want to disrespect it by making a bunch of quote unquote real gods yeah. for the game. Yeah. And so when I built it, I inherently set out, I was, and I've even got, I've got a campaign setting that is just my personal notes and I've got a whole uh, paragraph clarifier for myself. Wow. Sitting in there saying this campaign setting 
is to be taken as fiction akin to the Chronicles of Narnia, a Lord of the Rings. Uh, it names the god that is the quote-unquote real god. Yeah. And says this is a uh, fractured human attempt at creating an image of the god of the uh, uh, the god of uh, Jacob Isaac uh, uh, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac or whatever. And that large list of names. Right, the very yeah. long list of names <laughs> and then writing down as clear as I can be uh, just so that I have it for my internal self mm -hmm. to remind myself what I'm doing here. This is as best as I can trying to use Dungeons and Dragons to remind people of God. Fantastic. That's the inherent, complete and total ultimate narrative in everything that I do for Dungeons and Dragons. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Well, we appreciate you coming on to to enjoy this special episode uh, together. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And if anyone is interested in going and finding your show or finding out more about it, how can they reach you? How can they find you? Yeah, so you can find the show on, I believe it's Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yes. Uh, under the name, it's Moody and D. It's literally just the word Moody, the ampersand symbol, and capital letter D. Uh, and you can find us on Instagram at Moody underscore N underscore D. Uh, and there we post you know, gen generic updates regarding, you know, sometimes we have technical difficulties because <laughs> this is still sort of like an early stage show yeah and you know i'll post updates like eh, show didn't get uploaded we're gonna have it up in this many hours or etc i'll drop Perfect. those on the stories mm -hmm. but uh one of the things we're actually looking forward to doing hopefully soon is starting another subset of the show called moody and d gone rogue oh. where we uh discuss what happens in the story which will involve uh discussing the character's thoughts discussing things like that and we also have uh there's a story that you can find on our instagram where you can submit questions for that oh so, so. it's like it's like an after show. Yes. Perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so some of that will be discussing the character's thoughts, but also discussing like Christian theology surrounding what's going on with the characters and like seeing the players who are far more advanced in years than their characters and advanced in their thought. And so, yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on, Reese. And for those of you who are listening, uh, you can also reach out to us for any questions that you may have. Remember, even though this show is technically over, we still check our email. We still check up on everything and who knows when the next special episode will come up. So you can reach out to us at ccmoody22 at gmail.com. We check everything that you guys send us and we look forward to hearing more from you we hope you enjoyed today's episode and we hope that you enjoyed the conversation that we had hopefully that this has been educational to some degree for you and hopefully that mm -hmm. this has been beneficial for and you to hear. if this hasn't answered all of your questions on magic and sorcery maybe check out our harry potter episode because yes. we do go kind of more in depth on those topics and maybe even our merlin episode yeah that yeah. as well yeah so we have a ton of magic stuff those ones talk about the whole magic sorcery witchcraft type of things a little yeah. bit more in depth than what we were able to do here so yeah. check those out definitely if you want more of an adjacent type of topic for your thoughts to mm -hmm. stew exactly so thank you again so much for listening we hope to see you again soon we'll see you next time farewell